Hey, Brooke here. Just a reminder, this show is brought to you by the Ministry of Intentional and is made possible only by our growing community of members and donor partners. If you have found this show helpful in your own family's journey and would like to see more content from Intentional, would you consider giving a year-end gift by December 31st? Your support will help us continue advancing the stories and ideas of the kingdom of God and help us model for new generations a captivating vision of what it means to be an all-in, passionate Jesus follower who raises passionate Jesus followers. For more info on how to give, please visit intentionalparents.org slash donate. Again, that's intentionalparents.org slash donate. All right, welcome back to uh, the Intentional Parents Podcast, and thank you again for everybody that's been rating the podcast and uh, leaving a comment. Just recently, we got uh, a comment that I just thought was so sweet. We wanted to share it so, from someone named Hannah. Hannah, thank you for taking the time to uh, leave this comment. But this was what she said. It was so sweet. This podcast has been so formative and has given me the tools and hope two exclamation points I'll add right there. Uh, as a parent who wants to raise healthy, loving children, but isn't sure how to do so practically and consistently. Super thankful for the biblical truth and the focus of the whole family system versus just a mom raising children. Uh, lastly, she says, this podcast also walks through the modern taboo conversations and is grounded in a biblical way, which has been so helpful. Also, it's not a cheesy Christian podcast. Can I give it more stars? So I thought that was so thoughtful. <laughs> Hannah, thank you. The biggest compliment you can give us is that it's not a cheesy Christian podcast. <laughs> yes, Lord. Uh, because, you know, obviously, unfortunately, Christians aren't always known for doing things that are... Uh, <laughs> Well, not cheesy. So we have those moments, but we just want to say thank you for taking the time. And if you haven't had a chance to do that, feel free to join Hannah. But we want to say Merry Christmas. Can we do it? One, two, three. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. Um, this is a Christmas episode. And today we just actually wanted to take a few moments. This isn't going to be long, but we we wanted to set this up and just let you know that we wanted to have a specific episode on the topic of Christmas and some of the things that we do. Uh, we want to be really clear. We're not in any way saying, please copy the Comer or Moser way. Uh, but we wanted to just give some tools and some ideas of how we spend our time uh, around the holiday season and how we keep things grounded and how we keep things centered on Jesus. And so we have a few co things. And Phil, I'm very happy that you were in charge of the points here because they all start with the, the word keep. So you'll be able to remember them. Um, but we went through and kind of just processed what we do. And we wanted to share that. So Phil and Diane Elizabeth, welcome. Excited to talk with you guys today. Mm -hmm. Glad to be excited here. Excited to be here. So, Phil, to, to start us off, we want to talk about the first keep, and it's keep it centered on Jesus, which I yeah. think is incredibly important, we know. But how do we actually do that? We're going to share some stories, but how do we as a family do that? Why don't you start us? Yeah. So the 80s alliteration, keep, keep, keep. So keep it centered <laughs> on Jesus. Well, it's hilarious that you just read Hannah saying this isn't a cheesy Christian podcast, because when we, Diane and I were talking about this, the first phrases that came to my mind, she goes, that's too cheesy. <laughs> Back in the 80s, we would say, remember the reason for the season. Oh, or, but remember, or though, keep, your age, it's endearing. Exactly. At your stage, I, it's endearing. Yeah, so for me, that's that's not cheesy. That's like, I was a new Christian in the 70s, and it's like, 
I wasn't keeping Jesus at the center, man. It was all about toys and presents. And, yeah. and so when I heard keep Christ in Christmas, man, I, I preached a whole sermon called a Christ centered Christmas because yeah. it was so new to me. But I just think it's always good to remember, you know, it's sometimes we can forget. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and a lot of reading scripture is things we already know, but just putting back into our mind what we maybe haven't been thinking of. And so, uh, you know, just a couple of scriptures. I like to ground things in the Bible, but just, you know, uh, it, it's, it's, you know, even the phrase Merry Christmas, which now in certain places and schools, you're not allowed to say that. It has to be Happy Holidays or whatever, mm-hmm. is that, you know, we're celebrating uh, the arrival of God into this world. Mm-hmm. God come down. It's miraculous. It's got angels singing and uh, miracles happening. And, and just to bring this wonder to our kids is so amazing. But, you know, it's prophesied years before Jesus was born in Isaiah chapter 9. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. And and I love that. You know, why are all these lights at Christmas, you know? The Bible yeah. says in First John that God is light. And so God says here, hey, when my son comes into the world, there's going to be light that shines in darkness. And so I think when I look at the Christmas tree and I see the lights, you know, yes, it's cool and it's pretty and everything, but we're celebrating Jesus, the light of the world. And again, in, in, in Isaiah 9, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. You know, everybody mm. talks about peace at Christmas time. Where did it come from? It yeah. came straight from the Bible. And then and then just one more, um, actually two more. One more, you remember when uh, the angel appears to Mary and says, you're going to have a child, and she goes, mm-hmm. well, how can this happen? You know, and he says, well, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And then Joseph, who is engaged to her, she has to tell him, I'm pregnant, oh <laughs> and God. he knows he's not the father. And so he's thinking about what what's he going to do, you know, and an angel appears to him and speaks to him. And the angel says, you know, Mary will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. The prophet spoke, behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And so at this time, we just don't want to forget that it's celebrating God with us, our Savior, who yeah. came to rescue the world to, and to rescue us from our sins. And and we just don't want to forget that. You know, in, uh, Diane and I were talking to, and she remembered the scripture, and I had to find it. Mm-hmm. I found it, babe. It's in Jeremiah, where God is speaking. He says, my people have forgotten me. They burn incense to worthless gods. They've stumbled from their ways, from the ancient paths, to walk in bypaths, not on a highway. So God is saying, don't forget me. Don't remember the ancient past. God's people mm. have celebrated the birth of Jesus for years and years and years. And so what a what a what joy a it is for us to do it now. To keep it centered on Jesus. Keep it centered on Jesus. Uh, the other day I was talking to a friend. He's very funny. And the song, Mary, Did You Know, is yeah. a very frustrating song to him because he's like, of course she knew. She was pregnant. <laughs> <Yeah>. Of course <laughs> she knew. <laughs> and I loved that. I loved that thought. I was like, yep, she absolutely did know. But that said, uh, just the other day, uh, Elizabeth Scarlett came up to you. What did you tell her? What, what was she talking about? Remind me again. Yeah, we were just talking about Christmas and that Christmas is almost here. I think it was right before Thanksgiving. And she said, you know, whenever I think of Christmas, I like I don't think of Jesus. Is that bad? Like, I just think of presents and the Christmas tree like, and all yes, that you stuff. But feel shame. I forget. <laughs> I forget. No. 
the, of, of why we celebrate Christmas. Yeah. And that was eye-opening to me as just as her mom, like, okay, maybe we need to like redo how we do some things this year because I will be the first to say we are a Christmas-loving family, like yeah. the whole Comer family, oh, yeah. Moser family. <laughs> We love everything about Christmas, all the traditions and Hence all the the last podcast presents. about getting in an argument about <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. Christmas. <laughs> go big exactly. or go home. <laughs> and so I think, you know, sometimes there's a tendency in Christian culture to be like, okay, well, we can't do any of the things that the world does. We can't do, we can't make it about presents and we can't make it about a Christmas tree and we can't make it about any of that. We just need to make it about Jesus. And I think for our kids, we have the opportunity to make it come alive with fun and celebration and excitement because of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we were just, um, I've been reading this book called Every Moment Holy with the kids, and it's just yeah. a book of liturgies. And we just kind of read them at, at random as a part of our school. And I just happened to literally just open it up. And it was a liturgy for the Christmas season, the start of the Christmas season. And it was, was it yesterday? Was it December was, 1st? Or, uh, no, it was like the David couple days ago. Yeah. So I was like, all right, well, this is perfect. And it's this beautiful liturgy. We don't have time to read the whole thing, but Brooke's going to read part of it. And it just kind of flipped it for me of recognizing everything we do as a celebration of Christmas, just like you were saying, Dad, the lights on the houses, the lights on the trees can all be a symbol mm-hmm. of, of Jesus sure. and mm-hmm. a, an act of celebration. Mm-hmm. And we can bring Jesus into all of it, not just make sure, oh, we got to make sure we're reading this Christmas story right and all of these things, which are mm-hmm. all important. But there's a way that we can bring Jesus into every aspect of yeah. all of our traditions mm-hmm. too. Yeah. And I think maybe important to note before we read this is that we are fighting against a major, major cultural uh, idol of, of, of just stuff and uh consumerism and consumerism and there's a massive idol that our kids don't even know they're inundated with all the mm-hmm. time we all are every single one of us well the other day i got the like amazon oh, I was gonna say the kids same thing. like christmas mm-hmm. magazine in mm-hmm. the mail like catalog <laughs> <laughs> and oh i saw gosh. it before the kids did and i i normally i'd be like great this is full-on entertainment for them like they're gonna be happy for days just looking through here and circling what they want but I paused for a second and I showed it to Brooke and I said, I'm trying to decide if I want to give this to them mm-hmm. or if I'm mm-hmm. just feeding consumerism and mm-hmm. discontentment mm-hmm. if I let them look through this and circle all the things that they want. Yeah. But you what know? was crazy is we didn't even tell them to do that. And little birdie who has no clue just started going, <laughs> I want this and I want this and I like this. And I'm like, sweetheart, you've asked for $800 worth of stuff <laughs> in four minutes. We can't. No, the answer is no. We don't spend that much money on anybody. You're special, but like not that much money. But I remember we're fighting against that culture. And I think it's very tempting sometimes to go from the secular, sacred, uh, excuse me, sacred and secular divide to go, oh man, it's either all Jesus in a manger and that's all we can talk about or a Christmas celebration. And what you're saying, what I hear you saying anyway, is that Jesus, like every moment holy, there's a lot of these moments that actually bring us back to the power and the story of Christmas. And so uh, this is from, like she said, uh, Every Moment Holy. It's a great book of liturgies. I encourage you to read it. I'll just read a little snapshot. It says this here, um, though there was no room at the inn to receive you upon your first arrival, we would prepare you room here in our hearts and here in our home, Lord Christ. As we decorate and celebrate, we do so to mark the memory of your redemptive movement into our broken world, O God. 
our glittering ornaments and Christmas trees, our festive carols and sumptuous feasts. By these small tokens, we affirm that something amazing has happened in time and space. That God, on a particular night, in a particular place, so many years ago, was born to us an infant king, our prince of peace. Um, it goes on in a lot of that same rhythm, but the idea that all these things, the, the food we eat, the, the decorating, mm -hmm. the whole process, we're actually making, these are like holy moments that- An active celebration. That the, spirits are, that the spirit's here and joining us. Mm -hmm. So with that, we just want to give you like one example of what we do to, cry, to try to uh, keep it centered on Jesus, because this is something we do every single year, the tradition we're going to share. Um, on the Comer side, we do this every, is it Christmas night? Whenever we all get together, mm -hmm. the day kind of varies primarily because of <laughs> the massive amount There's of Christmas so celebrations of between all the families. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, so Diane, give us kind of a heads up on one of the traditions. Why don't you start us off with the tradition that we do? Well, probably one of the best things about this tradition is what it doesn't do because you know, we always want to read the Christmas story, obviously, on Christmas or on Christmas Eve with our kids. But with little kids, they wake up in the morning and they just want those gifts. You know, yeah. they just, they see that it's finally here and make them stop and listen to the Christmas story is not the best way to capture their attention and their imagination of the beauty of the Christmas story. So we stop trying to do that first. Um, so yes, you are keeping this whole day centered on Jesus, but you also have to be so sensitive to the reality of your kids. Mm. So we began doing it, at least in our family now, we now do it last. Mm. And we had, somebody gave us this idea and showed us how to do it. And um, we basically, each of us read a part of the Christmas story. So there are 17 of us, so we divide the Christmas story. I went one day and took Matthew and Luke and kind of combined them into um, uh, the order, you know, um, that things happened, you know, because it's two different views of the story. I took the best both, used a couple different translations, and assigned each person uh, gets assigned a part to read of the Christmas story, and each person is holding a candle, we start off with all the candles lit, all the lights off in the rest of the room, except for the Christmas tree. And um, and each person has their candle lit. And as they read their part of the story, as soon as they're done, then they blow out their candle. Yes. And so every minute, you know, for the non-readers sit in mom or dad's lap, and it's still theirs to be read, but mom or dad reads it for them. So every single person is included. And it's amazing. Our Comer Christmases are loud and loud. <laughs> very, <laughs> very just, loud. They're loud. Yes. Um, but for this, everybody goes quiet and kind of a hush falls over the room. And and um, last year we were at John Mark's house and we're looking out uh, out the windows, out at the forest, and the forest was lit with just lights just here and there, and we're reading in soft voices, children's voices, old older voices, tired voices, mm. uh, just learning to read voices, and everybody's reading the story, and it is magical. We get to the last person, and uh, under all of this, of course, we have a bunch of musicians I was in the family. Yeah. So Everyone what plays it music helps out. make it magical is that Phil usually is just fingering the Finger guitar, picking. just, you know, 
to Silent Night. Finger picking. Finger picking on the guitar. So, you know, you might not have the usually? advantage of it. Oh, holy night. Oh, uh, holy night. Yes. Uh, that's right. After yeah. the last candle's out. And then the last person reads, blows out their candles, it's hushed, it's dark. And Phil leads us in. The best Christmas song ever. <laughs> oh, holy Give night. Give us the first part. Oh, go for it. Oh, holy night. Yep. The stars are brightly shining, Just but then that fall voice. on your knees. Yep. And then, you know, the second uh, chorus is even better. Christ is the Lord. Oh, yes. praise his name forever. Yeah, his power. Sweet. And so we sing that. And then... Um, and, and here's the deal. When, then we when, sing Silent Night. When yeah. Phil's singing it, he's he sings it like a worship leader. So he's making sure every word is enunciated and heard. And honestly, of all the times we sing those songs throughout the season of the year, at church or wherever, this is the most meaningful. It's like we're all... It's like liturgy. It's like yeah. we are all agreeing, every Comer, Opperman, Moser, all of us together in our family are agreeing on this one thing. Mm-hmm. And, and so it seems to be expressed almost better even than singing, better than poetry. It's almost like talking poetry. And it's, it's yeah. beautiful and it's dynamic. And there is this hush. And you see in all the children this awe on their faces. And they're watching their parents and their parents, siblings, their aunts and uncles, their grandparents, they're watching each of us get lost in the beauty of this, the story, first of all, and then singing about the story. Yeah. And it is, to me, it's it beautiful. is the highlight of Comer Christmas. Well, mm-hmm. one of the things that I think, um, cause, so I, I obviously married into this family. That was not my tradition growing up, but it has become one of my favorite traditions. And I, and I would say, you know, for those who did not or don't have this, if you're in Elizabeth and I's stage of life, you have small kids and maybe your parents didn't have some of that. I think it's really interesting to kind of just maybe let us give you a little peek through a window that you maybe don't see right now, Mm -hmm. that as you're trying to raise passionate Jesus followers, the time's going to come quickly when all Mm -hmm. of a sudden you're in Phil and Diane's stage of life and you have adult children and you're going to peek through that window and you're going to be so grateful you were intentional with mm-hmm. your kids because I, I would say Christmas time for for me and I think all the adult children mm-hmm. is one of the moments where we remember the power of family, but mm-hmm. remember the power of, of what it means that we are all in love with Jesus yeah. and we like actually like each other yeah. and we actually want to invest in each other's lives. Yeah. And the one foundational thing that we all have is that we all serve and know Jesus and everyone's like some years are. We have good years. Last year, it was a terrible year for us, right? Like we all come into Christmas sometimes with different wounds from the year. And, but we're all centered around the same thing. And maybe just to encourage the longer term vision, if you're, if you're listening to this and going like, I I can't experience that now. Don't don't worry. Like you can create that. You can Mm -hmm. have what we're talking Mm -hmm. about. It might take some time, but you can have that. And it's a gift uh, to be able to give your family to keep it centered on Jesus. And this is such a great tradition that can just be so easily done by anybody, no matter how large or small your family is, do it with your extended family, that we actually created a PDF for you. You can go to our website and download it for free. And it contains instructions of how to do it. It contains the whole Christmas story that mom talked about so that you can easily try it out with your family. And we'd love to hear from you if you do. Yeah. Tell us how it went. Send yeah. us pictures. Mm-hmm. Tag us on Instagram. We'd yeah, love, love to, to hear about it. Love that. Yeah. And also to remember, uh, we'll also link it in our show notes too. Yeah, so if will. you're like, I'm not going to go off of this app, that's great. You can. There'll be a, 
uh, link in our show notes as well. You can click on that. So leading to our second uh, point, thank you, Phil, for all the keeps. The second keep is to keep it simple. Mm -hmm. And I think to do that, you're going to say yes to some things. You're going to say no to others. That traditional, not traditional, that classic saying, when you say yes to one thing, you you say no to something else. You Mm -hmm. know, we have that that's real. And even if you don't believe that's true, that's very true when it comes to energy and expenditures. Uh, but you know, you have to decide this as a family. And Diane, I know you were uh, talking about a story. Remind me of that story, but uh, you were talking or sharing a story earlier about how you guys, when, when your kids were obviously mm-hmm. little, how you kind of had to decide between different traditions from your mm-hmm. family, mm-hmm. Uh, how you were going to keep it simple. Remind me of that yeah. story real quick. So my parents, you know, were all out on Christmas. They loved Christmas and, you know, Santa came and gave us a gift and they did it great. And they still, as we <laughs> later came to know Jesus, they they tried to figure that out too. And, you know, I felt like they did a great job. But fast forward to when we were married, first married, and then we had our firstborn. And the first year was fine. He was six months old. And he just tore up packages and mm-hmm. had a grand yeah, old time. But by the next year, he was 18 months old, incredibly precocious language-wise, and um, and his and he had this mind that is constantly asking questions, and he could not, and we could not figure out how to make Santa Claus fit with the Christmas story. I mean, I tried everything, <laughs> and and realized they just are such different stories. Yeah, that for having a child with such a black and white thinker. I needed to eliminate Santa Claus in order to really she murdered make... Santa Claus. It was Jesus or Santa, and Santa went down. That's right. That's right. He got crucified that Christmas. <laughs> You're not usually known for being hilarious. That is hilarious. That is That's hilarious. really funny. That's funny. No, I'm never hilarious on purpose. Um, but, you know, I had to talk to my family about it because, I, oh, yeah. you know, they... They were such Santa lovers. Yep. My mom had Santas all over the house and just explain. Well, the first year I just said, just this year, just this year we need to do it because John Mark was completely confused about Santa. Yeah. And he absolutely just, in his black and white mind, he cannot have Santa and Jesus at the same time. So they were okay. <laughs> they they skipped around Santa. But um, but it, that then became the way we kept doing it because his mind didn't suddenly become more flexible the next year yeah. <laughs> and the next year. And then we had other children. And because we were doing so much with it, Phil was a worship pastor at the time. So mm-hmm. much of our Christmas season was centered around the birth story and all the different elements of the birth of Jesus that... It just didn't make sense to also include Santa. So part of our keeping things simple was for the sake of our kids who, whose imaginations couldn't encompass the whole thing with yeah. all the other uh, traditions. Now, now, 12 years later, Matthew comes. So there's 12 years between our oldest and youngest. Matthew comes along, and he is just playful, not nearly as intense as his older brother, um, vivid imagination. By the time he was probably about eight, and we still didn't do much with Santa in the earliest Mm -hmm. years, 
But by this time, he's eight, nine, ten, and he's kind of outgrown the thinking that Santa brings all the presents. He's collecting Santas. He has Santa fishing, Santa playing the drums, Santa playing basketball. <laughs> Every year, he got a Santa ornament. So it's not that Santa was bad. It's that you sometimes have to, in order to keep it simple, you have to look at the family that you have. In our case, we minimize Santa in order to maximize the wonder and the mystery of the story of Jesus. Yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, you know, I, we were pretty hardcore. I mean, it's like I was a new believer, and <laughs> I, I, I didn't want my kids to think, you know, Jesus is no more powerful than the current yes. superhero, right? Well, that's Santa. great, but Superman can do that, you know, or Santa Claus can do that. So for me, there was there was a, I mean, it was hard because, you know, some parents choose to do the other thing. You know, he is real and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, every parent's got to make up their own mind. But we decided, no, for us, like, we're going to tell them the truth, you know? And, yeah. And uh, I- it, you know, we weren't like, you know, down with Santa, kill him. But we were like, we just, we just, we, we told them, no, there's no such thing as Santa bringing miraculous things to you. you this, this has become a very violent podcast yeah. of, against Santa. <laughs> so if you love Santa, we, we yeah. do too. But you know, in my Christmas collection yes. of movies, we watch all yeah, the goofy all, ones, you know? Oh, I love it. You yeah. Know? And so I, that's I not think a though, maybe if you are listening, you grew up with that tradition and you love it. I don't hear moralism or shame. No. It, we've had, you, everyone has to make a choice. And your kids will find out eventually, right? We all know that. But I think uh, the what we're trying to encourage here is Jesus is the is what we want to keep it centered on. And if you're going to do that, there's going to be certain things that you have to do, and mm-hmm. I, as well as keeping it simple. My, I remember growing up, my mom and dad loved Christmas and came from a place. I think Diane, you shared a while ago on, on another episode about your parents and how they didn't have a lot of that, and so Christmas mm-hmm. was really important to them. And same with my family. I, my mom went so all in one year that she let me bake cookies, which I don't bake, but she like, let me figure this whole thing out, bake cookies, leave them out to only let me wake up the next morning and the cookies were gone. The milk was gone, the whole traditional thing. Mm-hmm. And then I had a handwritten note from Santa thanking me <laughs> specifically for the cookies. She went in so deep with this. It was, mm-hmm. and, and the coolest part was it was for her to create like this deep memory of something special. And of course, oh, like we could all argue, oh, you you made him believe in Santa. But it was so sweet. It was just the oh, sweetest sweet. heart. And exactly. I know that there's a lot of people listening that have that same heart. And the point isn't to mimic us. So but basically you're disagreeing with me. No, no, no I'm not. Dis- <laughs> we're not anti-Santa. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm trying to say that it's easy for us to say something like, hey, we did it this way. So mimic us. That that's the right way. And I want to be really clear. Like there are different ways in which we can all, you know, uh, express this because we all have different backgrounds and different stories so we just have to that's all i mean absolutely hey i got a question so i don't i don't know where it fits under the three keeps but um we're talking about keeping it simple but are you girls going to talk about some of the food i mean yes <laughs> you don't about make food. everything but yes. you still make those okay. sweet rolls or whatever yes. yeah they feel, yeah can, i don't I... want to talk about the sweet rolls unless we're going to be making some after this <laughs> well i just think i i just think Food feasting at Christmas is yes, a big deal, but what it do you is. Think, girls? It is. Oh, it's a huge deal because it creates these like memory hooks, these traditions, these things that the kids look forward to, and so many of them. I think for all of us is food around the holidays, especially if you had parents who can cook or a mom that can cook. Um, maybe if you didn't, maybe food wouldn't be your greatest <laughs> memory in the holidays. <laughs> 
But, you know, I think those rituals and those traditions, Brooke and I talk about this a lot, they create a culture for your kids to be launched from and to come back to. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm so every Christmas morning I make these gluten-free cinnamon rolls and I hate making them. They never turn out very well. And the kids know you hate They know them. I hate it. Because <laughs> and here's why. Well, they actually Scarlett just asked me, "Why do you hate making those so much? They don't look that hard." It's because gluten-free cinnamon rolls for whatever reason they're really hard to get them to rise. They're really gooey. Yeah, so they always taste fine even if they didn't really rise, but when you spend all this work on it and you're like waiting to see if it's going to rise and then they never do. So I used to just like throw them away and start over every year. And then I realized they're basically never going to rise. So let's just uh, put, put frosting on them and call it good. But they <laughs> the are, don't care. they don't they care. It. My kids don't care at all. They love it. But for them, I literally just asked Duke the other day, what are some of your favorite Christmas traditions? Like aside from presents. And he goes, the cinnamon rolls. I know you hate making them, mom, but they're the best. You have to make them every year. Mm-hmm. So things like that, I feel like are so, it's so simple. I don't do a lot other than the cinnamon rolls because nobody really eats it. That's really all they want. We'll do like scrambled eggs. But I think even what you're saying with keeping it simple, like we do a tradition that you guys had Mm -hmm. because Christmas Eve was busy. You Mm -hmm. guys were always at church with soup on Christmas Eve. Well, similarly, you know, I don't only wear the intentional hat. I'm a pastor at a church. And so I'm busy on Christmas Eve. Actually, this Christmas, half of our family's doing the music for it and then half of it's not half of them are not and so it's like this crazy thing where it's a busy day and we get home late we get home and so soup and what is it chicken noodle soup and sourdough bread or like what is the i mean it changes every year in the sense but it's always a soup soup and and it's always some bread and because i can make it in the morning and we can come home and eat it and it Diane's was clam chowder mm-hmm. is amazing. Yeah, that yes. years. but that tradition came because mm-hmm. that was your guys. That was yes. our tradition growing up. Yeah, it was our tradition growing up because my parents had Christmas the day celebrated our Christmas with the whole family the day after Christmas. Mm-hmm. And we would drive three hours from San Jose up into the Sierra Nevada mountains where they had a cabin. And we'd all need to bring something for the meal. And so my mom came up with the idea of we all love hot soup in the wintertime. So we would each bring a different soup. Mm-hmm. And maybe one person so who was fun. working and couldn't, couldn't would bring the salad and the bread or something. So we'd have mm-hmm. like three different soups. Yeah. I always made clam chowder. Um, somebody always made like minestrone. I was going to say grandma somebody always made, made minestrone. Else, yep. you know? <laughs> and it's so easy. It's easy mm-hmm. to serve. There's yeah. hardly any cleanup. You do it all in advance. And it was so instead of slaving over christmas dinner yep we were having something and we also give uh choices for a wide variety of tastes and mm-hmm. now of course then we got to the point where somebody's gluten-free somebody's <laughs> vegan somebody's <laughs> anti-vegan <Yeah. laughs> extra gluten yeah some people are like i only want it if it's a cow and, and a loaf of bread that's all i will eat <laughs> and it's no fun anymore no <laughs> so the point is is to keep it simple don't you mm-hmm. know yeah. don't you have nothing to prove yes. as a family by being elaborate. Elaborate mm-hmm. doesn't make Christ more the center of Christmas, doesn't make it a better memory. Um, elaborate just makes us tired and sweaty and cranky. You know? mm-hmm. and, and the kids pick up on that and they're already on a sugar high and hard to put to bed that night. So keeping the meal simple is just as important as keeping everything else simple, yeah. I think. 
Yeah. But like everything else we're saying, there might be somebody listening and they're just like, they're like your dad, Brooke. They yes. can feed 400 people and not break I a sweat. Right. And they want to make a oh feast. Great. Gosh. If it's yep. joyful. Yes. And invite it, us. Invite yeah. us to it. <laughs> Please, we'll give you our number. Uh, you know how to yeah. reach us. I think it's funny that you said, uh, you one of the things that you said you are is sweaty. That's <laughs> It's that bad that you, you're overwhelmed and overheated. Uh, but I think it's what you're pointing out and just to maybe uh, right before we move on to the next point is even your traditions can be simple. They're powerful. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be this elaborate, complicated thing to be really powerful. And so just remember that uh, as you're moving. And I know like we've been loving, um, I I think we should get into the tradition of charcuterie boards because that is like, I mean, we do that for Sabbath now. We've been doing it on on the night of Christmas because we're always getting ready to go into like a whirlwind of family Christmas the day after Christmas and usually trying to pack and everything. I just love it. Put and all this food on the table. And I don't really feel like cooking. Crazy. Yeah. And the kids absolutely love it. Everybody will eat it without complaining. Yeah. yeah. And there's always yeah. enough variety for That's other people. So. Mm-hmm. Really so we pull out the leftover soup and just a bunch <laughs> of like cheese and crackers and hummus uh-huh. and they love it. Mm-hmm. So let's keep it simple. Encourage you to do that. And last but not least, keep your expectations realistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a whole podcast about this. We'll link it in the show notes, uh, even recently about some of the things that we've worked through when it comes to uh, forgiveness and uh, you know keeping short accounts, different things like that in relationships, especially with this extended family, because you know we all are people and there's relational dynamics with every single person represented. Um, but I think keeping your expectations realistic is incredibly important because sometimes, uh, you wish for a certain closeness that maybe is not possible and you're expecting uh, to have some idyllic family that you have built Mm -hmm. in your mind or maybe Mm -hmm. uh, envisioned or hoped for. And maybe that's not your reality. And so you only go into your Christmas celebration or time with family and you're expecting people to have deep conversations that you've never been able to have deep conversation mm-hmm. with for, uh, before or, or, or your closeness. kids to have a certain reaction to <laughs> oh, yeah. what was the... the gifts you give or, you know, putting oh, a pressure yeah. on our kids that they're yeah, not my, meant to carry. Well, and my parents, my parents especially go all out and they always like, I don't know where these numbers came from, but they like, were like, okay, we're going to do 10 presents per grandkid and i was oh like goodness. i don't even know how you tell they like literally have to hire people to help wrapping it's an insane thing and i'm like mom and dad this is too much and they're like this is our thing we're doing this and i was like i respect it they <laughs> like, love it they love being generous mm-hmm. they're super generous but it was so funny because i think one year we had celebrated with my family first before we went home <laughs> and opened our presents elizabeth and i and our mm-hmm. crew and i think it was just duke and scarlet at the time birdie and sloan were still uh just an idea and it was, we got home and we, I think we were opening our presents and I don't remember how many we it's had, like maybe three or four or something. And yeah. We usually do like four, three or four. Yeah. And, but anyway, we ended up, I can't, we opened presents and Duke was like looking around. He's like, where's, where are the rest where's of them? The rest of them? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, buddy, like. I think he was like four or yeah, something. He was, it was little. It was over, but I mean, like keeping, having a realistic expectation, even with our kids, like they're going to have a lot of feelings and have a lot of like, maybe they're not going to respond well. Right. Yeah. So I think uh, keeping our expectations realistic. But even on those expectations, on the, and we're on the other end now. We, we did all these traditions. We. We treasured family memories with our kids, and now they're all growing up, and it's different. So on our end of things is keeping those expectations, realizing that sometimes that means dropping a, a treasured Christmas tradition 
that maybe only you and I feel treasure. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody else just feels like, oh, it's one more thing. Or demanding that everybody come to your house exactly. on Christmas morning. Exactly. And one morning. for me, one of them yeah. is I, I had the delight for, I can't, I don't even know how many years of my whole family would come over for Christmas morning. Now, it was never on the 25th. I don't think it's ever maybe the first year or two. Then we moved it to uh, the 26th, 27th, whatever would work. But still, they all came to my house. And I just love having my whole family in my home. But as the family got bigger, there are 17 of us now. And um, we're loud, we're, we're noisy, and we need to move around a lot. And we had little kids. It became apparent that our home was no longer conducive to a really restful Christmas celebration. And so I had to give up and I gave it up in increments. Remember? I yeah. made you come over for stockings at my house. Oh my house gosh. That was <laughs> and then we went to the to was like, Why are we going Thankfully to that was only one year. You I, quickly that saw that year. that was and, not gonna work. And, you know, honestly, it was actually hard for me to give up. I don't think I expressed that. I tried to hold it in. It was hard for me to give up. Now I just love it. I just show up at Christmas. I bring all my part of Christmas. Yeah. The burden is no longer on me. Honestly, John Mark does a better host job of hosting than I ever did. Yeah. He's much cooler about it. I'm all fussy that it be perfect. And um, <laughs> so sometimes we have to, in the process of of your expectations, of keeping your expectations realistic. That even includes knowing mm. what your limitations are and mm-hmm. knowing that yeah. um, and, and just being able to flex, give up on having your way on things because you loved it for so many years and um, let your family grow and change so that it stays fun. Yeah. And when mm-hmm. we do that, the one thing that I'm sorry to cut you off, Phil, I know you're about to say something, but uh, I remember what, something that Dallas Willard said is when we accept moment to moment events and or tribulations, uh, and as we place our minds and our hearts on God's provision, we receive provision and we receive provision to have grace. Like, so mm-hmm. when we can accept the reality that and have realistic expectations that this is what it is, we almost receive provision from God. We yeah. do receive provision do. from God we do. to move through that moment with grace and to have strength and energy to, to actually bless then, the people instead then, of be yes, mad. And then even end up saying, oh, I like it better this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually yeah, do Yeah, there was like a surprise for you in that. Isn't yes. that interesting? Like, Big surprise. You would have actually, if you would never have let that go, you would have never yes. experienced the other side of blessing that yeah. you are now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. John Mark has a bigger house and it's yeah. more conducive. Oh, oh no. All I was going to say is, you know, maybe some who are listening, you know, you're really walking with Jesus and you are you are a passionate Jesus follower. And if anybody's listening and you're not, man, just... I just, we just want you to know that Jesus is is Lord of all and King of kings, and he's the one who brings true joy. And when you follow him, there's just nothing like it. The blessings of God overflow, and even in the midst of trials, you experience all this joy. But if you've experienced that, and and you're longing for that to be the center of your your Christmas, and then in reality... You're gonna you're gonna be with your extended family and your parents don't know the Lord or whatever and you you wish you could have this thing that we're talking about with multi generational. Let me just remind you or say take the long view, because mm. we Diane and I we consider ourselves now the matriarch and patriarch of generations of comers and we're the first generation. We had great parents, but 
they they didn't walk with Jesus until much later in life, and so we are now are the first generation, and so we were able to do these traditions in our family, just like you guys are. But so those of you with little kids, you know, th- take the long view that you're setting these traditions in your home, and even if you're extended family, you need to lower your expectations a bit. Well, not in your own home. You can do all three of these things in your own home and raise your kids this way, and then one day they will carry it on. And uh, and 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 carry out what you maybe 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 the extended family when you guys are the older people <laughs> you'll see what we're talking about we're, today. You understand what I'm trying to say? Yes, and that's a great way to end this. Actually, I have an idea. I didn't throw this at anybody, so I'm going to ask if we can do it. But keep it centered on Jesus. Keep it simple. Keep your expectations realistic. Can we end with just one one course of we wish you a Merry Christmas? Can you oh, lead us? Sure. Whoever wants to sing can. Elizabeth can. I believe it. I will try to stand as far away from the mic as a support role, but I'll let Phil it, because we do wish you a Merry Christmas. We can't, so Phil, we can't do a holy night? Okay. okay. <laughs> we wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. And a happy new year. Merry Christmas from Intentional, everyone.